welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Club. My name is Jessamie G and I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Miss Alice Edie. Hello, Hello, Alice. Hi, Jess. How are you, gorgeous? Oh, so good. I'm so good. I've been like sitting on a pile of things to ask you and... Now that we're recording, I finally can. <laughs> now that our friendship <laughs> only occurs in public. Friendship activate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're allowed now. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I've got it and same. Like I've got a lot I've got a lot going on, you know, sometimes when we do these episodes with just us, so I sit down and be like, okay, what, you know, vaguely do we want to talk about today? And I feel like Today I could have chosen anything from a from a very long list of stuff I've got going on at the moment, which is cool. Yes. Lots to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same, but I also it's been like sitting at this intersection now of like it's this weird awareness when you're having a conversation, but you're also aware that you're sharing it. Where I sometimes like second guess, I'm like, I want to speak to you about this thing. Is it interesting? And then I'm like, that is the entire fucking premise of this podcast. <laughs> it's like you're allowed to take up space. <laughs> Anyone's welcome to turn off when they want, stay when they want, but like to just be able to to think in public is such a fucking privilege. So I love this. It is. And also, you know, as we've realised in the, the first few months of doing this, we have no control over what is or isn't interesting yeah. to other people, you know, and some of the um, things we've gotten feedback on, Not, I mean, obviously we think all of it's interesting because <laughs> it's us, but I, I found some of the things surprising that particularly resonate with people. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, that has been such a cool thing is like realizing it's not actually, it's such a relief. You're like, oh, just have conversations and people will find what they need to find in them. But like that's firstly not our job, but secondly not within our control anyway. Yeah, exactly. So strap in, we're going to talk some (laughs) shit. (laughs) I want to know, please. Okay, so for, for context on last Sunday night, can you talk us through what last Sunday was? Yes, I can. So fans of the pod will know I've been on this little um, burlesque journey for the last little while um, and that culminated in on Sunday. Well, I mean, hopefully it's not, not the end, but just the beginning. But I've been working on this solo act, my first ever solo burlesque show um, for a few months now. And on Sunday night at Howler, they had the Maison Burlesque, which is the, the school that I go to, um, solo cherry poppers showcase they call it where myself and 13 other solo performers performed a debut act so you don't have to be a debut solo performer but the act has to be new yeah so it's like testing like when comedians test material like it's the first time it's been seen in public exactly yeah yeah exactly right um so it's you know it's a combination of really new and more um experienced um, performers Um, and it's sort of you know it's a safe space that you can invite your friends and family and people are going to hoot and holler and cheer and um, it was so it was so fun it was so fun I was there I was the proudest it was amazing and just the energy of that space because everyone like you say like everyone in that room is there I would I would assume to see someone specific like maybe there were a few people just in general curious about burlesque but like it felt just like such a, there was so much love. Yeah. There was so little clothing and so much. <laughs> I would no, that's say, not true. yeah, the, everyone the, was clothed. Yeah. The audience. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, um, 
yeah, I reckon burlesque audiences are um, up there with the warmest, most encouraging audiences yeah. ever um, because the whole thing really is is about, like, fun and love and, you, you know, it's just an expression of joy. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah. Um, and, yes, I'd say most people were there either to see someone they knew who was performing there's also people who would just exist within that world, you know, who are ongoing students at Maison yeah. who just go to all yeah. of the things um, and people around that industry who maybe have um, like makeup or clothing labels or whatever that exist in that world who just would probably go to all of the burlesque stuff because they fucking love it. There was someone selling the most magical pasties, a.k.a. what nipple, what do you call what? Nipple tassels. Nipple tassels. Yeah. Just so much glitter, like just those things must, I, I didn't pick one up, but I assume they have to be light to stay on, but it was so much sparkliness happening. It was like, it was amazing. It was such a thing of beauty. Yeah. I've only, so I've made my own and I make them out of like, um, foam sheets, like glitter foam, and then just like cover them in whatever. So they're very, very light. I even made my own tassels this time because I couldn't find tassels that were the right colour. I love it. I was so excited. I'm like, fuck, Dan, I made a tassel. (laughs) I made it myself with my hands. You could be be, um, sewing sewing your child's name into their school uniform or making (laughs) your own bespoke nibble tassels. I'm pretty happy with my life choices. (laughs) It could be and, actually, to be fair. It it doesn't have to be an or. It could be an and. Absolutely true. Um, Yeah, so that was like a big build up to this like big exciting moment and I had like my emotions were all over the place that week. Like I I felt really nervous all week. I had some like costuming things that I just wasn't quite happy with. Like I couldn't find the bright colours of certain things and blah, blah, blah. Um, But then by Sunday I had all of that sorted and I actually woke up on Sunday feeling great and I wasn't really super nervous. I was just really excited. Like I got worked hard. I knew the routine. I was feeling really great. Um, But then when we got there to do the tech rehearsal it was just it was just so I had these like purple like plastic purple heart (laughs) glasses they do like a little sassy like pull them down look at the glasses thing and so I haven't rehearsed in them much because it's annoying to rehearse with all of your props right but I had a little bit and it was fine but what I definitely hadn't rehearsed was having them on, like, on stage with lights. Oh. So, <laughs> and I start facing the back, right, and then, like, turn around as music starts. And when we were doing the deck check with all the lights, I turn around and I was like, fuck, I can't see anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh-oh. And then so I, like, fucked up the start and that just, you know, like, oh, threw me off a bit for the yeah. rest of the thing. So I'd gone from feeling like really good and really confident to having like honestly probably the worst I'd ever performed it. Oh no. At the tech check and then I was just like, oh. Are all no. the other dancers there as well? Yes. So then it's that added layer of like you're all part of the same show. So as much as you're performing individually, you're now like, oh my God, like I'm I'm fucking up. Like I'm the I'm the weak link. Like yeah. I don't, oh yeah, God. Yeah. All, all the that, spiral all that stuff. The, yeah. The little spiral. But then uh, trying to like you know talk myself off the ledge (laughs) being like it's you know it it's fine ditch the glasses you don't need them doesn't matter it's not like a key part of the act 
ditch the glasses, just change that one little bit to something else. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You've literally done this 20 times today. You know it. It's going to be fine. Um, But I was, yeah. And I don't know if it was just like having that shitty rehearsal or, you know, just the nerves start to build when you're actually there and in costume and with other people. But I was so, so nervous and Thank God I was in the first act. So there was like seven performers, then a little intermission, then seven performers. And I was second last in the first act. And I think if I'd been like second last in the second act, I probably would have had a heart attack before I had the chance to <laughs> Yeah, go you're just stage. cresting that wave of adrenaline. And you're like, there's only so long. Um, but, yeah, but then it starts, I'm there go on stage. And I, I felt like it was a little bit of a shaky start. Like I felt like I was a little bit, and I, this is a common theme in a whole bunch of things in my life, whether it's work, you know, weightlifting, dancing, anything is that I rush. Like I just try and like do it all (laughs) in one go or like I get excited or, Mm. and get ahead of myself and sort of rush through it. So I felt like I was a little bit ahead of the music at the start, but then oh, you've uh, yeah, of, as yeah. an audience member, definitely not visible, but uh, but the feeling is very relatable. Yeah, but then I was like, the, and the other thing I was trying to keep in my head the whole time was that like no one is making you do this. <laughs> you wanted to do this yeah. because you think it's fun. So ha- if you don't have fun. You're missing the entire yeah. point of the thing. Like, yeah. This is not your job. No one's paying you to be here. It's not like, you know, nothing relies on this. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's purely for joy. So if you're not finding the joy in it, well, what the fuck is the point? I like just that idea of like the power of the, it doesn't matter. And I always think like, it sounds like such a negative nihilistic thing, but it's actually so liberating. It's just being like, this doesn't matter. And therefore there's so much scope to just fuck around and play in this. Like, this is awesome because, yeah. it, because it doesn't matter. It matters. Exactly. And, and also the, the best thing you can do as a performer, like even just taking it out of like how you feel in your self, but if you look like you're having fun on stage, yeah. it doesn't matter if you, especially as a solo, no one else knows what fucking steps you made up. No one knows, right? <laughs> you can do a completely yeah. different routine on that stage yeah. that you've never done before. They don't know. But the worst thing you can do is look like you're terrified. Yeah. And the best thing you can do is look like you're having fun, even if everything goes wrong. Um, so, yeah, once I sort of warmed up to it and had, you know, the crown and the lights, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I love this. Yeah. I yeah. love this. It, and it was, yeah, it was fucking awesome. It was really, really fun. And I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was so hoping that there would be a, a follow-up, but I also didn't want to ask it in, in case that was the end. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the kind of you'd done the full circle or whatever, but no. No, no, no. So, I mean, there are other like small um, burlesque nights around the place where I can perform the same act oh, cool. again, which I think I'll, I'll apply for because now, you know, like, it's done. It's created. Yeah. There's a costume. There's a thing. Um, it would be because it's three minutes, right? Like you spend months and months doing this thing and all this time and money on costume and all of the like emotional energy that goes into doing it. And then it's three fucking minutes and you're like, oh, 
And I would imagine, I would imagine it would be the kind of thing for me where I would shit myself, but be excited the whole way up until the moment. Probably the first minute I'd be terrified. Then the second minute I'd be like, oh, this is fine. The third minute I'd be like, this is fun. And almost as my brain is finished thinking, this is fun, full stop. It's it's over. it's over. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Can I, can I go again? I'm ready. Like, like I'm ready now. I want to go now. You, you're so spot on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I just, I just started having fun <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. now it's over. <laughs> so I would like to perform it again. And there's another solo showcase in November. Um, and I've got some seeds of ideas for a new act as well, but I might, um, I might not be here for it. So anyway. We'll find out. But yeah. You'll be on earth though, alive and well. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, can we just. Sorry. Just wanting to clarify yes, where you'll, you think you'll be in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not dying. Um, just might be actually in, no. uh, in Fiji. Oh, for my God. Be awesome. Can you believe I get to say that? In yeah, PG yeah, work? yeah. What a uh, low key flex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about you it. You need to start wearing your burlesque outfit just under your work outfit so that if at any point you just <laughs> things take a turn, you can. You know what's so cool? So Glitter Tits is my stage name, which is very fun. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And it's something as a, a big fan of drag and of drag race, something that you see is like, you know, these characters developing and drag queens often talking about how they like find power through that character and um, like expressing a different part of the maybe part that's braver or more confident or more funny or more sexual or whatever it is. They get to do that sort of through this other character and through this mask. And But talking about it in a way like they like they're on a journey of meeting that character as they go rather than sitting down being like, this is what this character is going to be like. They are blah, 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 blah. It sort of evolves over time. And so sort of seeing the start of that kind of happen with this alter ego is so fun and so cool. And it's like, yeah, it's not like it's something that's separate from me, but it's like all of the bits that I like the most turned up to yeah, 11. I love, so it's, it's almost like an unfolding rather than a, it's, it's watching a thing emerge rather than like constructing or scripting that thing. Yeah. And that's, so I feel like I trust that way of any creative work that comes out of that kind of unfolding. Like even as another example, I feel that about the podcast where it wasn't like we sat down and we're like, what the fuck is the brand? And like, what is the, what is it? And like, gross. I mean, I understand sometimes like businesses do that. I just find it gross. It's not, that wouldn't, that doesn't feed me. Um, but like when you just follow a feeling of a thing that's fun, it emerges. And like, actually that clarity becomes clear over time. Like you said, it's like meeting a thing for the first time, but it's also not meeting it because it was the ingredients were there the whole time, but they're just combining in this, in this new way. And that's glitter tits as yeah. well. Like every time glitter tits performs, she's, she's becoming, it's like seeing like a hazy, like a hazy ghost. And each time there's more and more, the edges become a bit clearer. The colors become a bit brighter and she's just emerging. Yeah. 
It's really exciting. It's fucking and it's, cool. Yeah. And it's not, and because it's part of you as well, it's not like, yeah, like an invented character or a character that's been given to you in yes. a script or it's not separate from you. Um, I did. So I um, have a masterclass membership, which I fucking love. It's so awesome. It's very expensive, but if you use it, it's worth the money. Um, and RuPaul has a masterclass, <laughs> obviously. Uh, the first one I, I watched, I think. Actually, Dan really, really loved it too. Um, and he says as part of that, talking about his experience of um, – it's sort of like a version of like the magic was with, within you all along. <laughs> like, you know, the, the the power and realising after he'd been doing drag for a while and finding this, you know, really sort of like different, powerful part of himself and then having the realisation that that was accessible to him 24-7 yeah. in or out of drag. Um, and I can obviously... I am not RuPaul. <laughs> I'm not at that stage in my career yet. Yet, yet. But I can... I can totally see that how that would play out yeah um in the long run and it's it's cool and it's just so it's like imaginative play yeah you know it felt like that watching I think that was the thing that was so surprising to me like I thought okay burlesque is like it's like dancing meets stripping in my mind so I was like it's it's not quite dancing but it's not quite stripping but it's some it's a bit of both so I was expecting that kind of sexy energy which there there was part of that but my personal experience was like overwhelmingly not of sexiness Mm -hmm. as much as it was of play and watching within each three minute bubble, like every person is like conceived of like a little narrative. Like there's like a character and a song. And within that very short space of time, we see uh, like a development of that. The, the developments all do tend in the direction of nakedness. Yeah. <laughs> it does as usually a, end with tits. Yeah. As a general rule, it ends with tits, which is I'm a big fan of. But like it was just, it was really striking the playfulness of it. Like it was honestly... And I don't, this, I, I really hope it doesn't sound condescending because it is meant with the utmost respect, but like it was really sweet and cute in that yeah. way. Yeah. And like it was just so, like it, the sexiness was there, but it, that was not the defining characteristic of it for, for me anyway, no, as an audience member. That's right. And some of it is funny. Some of yeah. it is silly. Yes. <laughs> some of it silly. is super hot and sexy. Yeah. Um, some of it's cute. Like it's, yeah, it's more. Um, and the, the way that I think of it is like the difference between burlesque and stripping. I mean, you are stripping, right? It is, it does live within that world, yeah. but, and this is like a sweeping generalization, of course, but like stripping is for external validation. It's for, it's like to turn oh, someone on. That's interesting. Whereas burlesque in my experience is more about creative expression yeah. so it's more for you yeah. where stripping's more for them so you're you're more likely to pander to the needs and wants of your audience because yeah. that's what because that's your role right like that's what you're being paid to do is to be sexy yeah, and turn it's, it's someone a different on. job yeah yeah exactly it's a it's a different job and there's obviously overlap there yeah um but yeah I mean there's some fucking wild shit in that in the show on Sunday, <laughs> like bananas and llamas, and I, I, I won't even try to start explaining that act. It's it's wonderfully insane. 
Um, but yeah. I remember, I, and I think I've said this to you before, but I've, so this is the second, um, like Melbourne burlesque show that I've been to the first one being for your birthday party we went so you weren't dancing but we were watching together and the one performance that I fucking loved so much and it is indescribable and that's part of what I love about it is I've tried so many times to to put into words what happened in front of me but it involved a man leather hot pants he was wearing nipple pasties but they were glitter dicks there was a he had an s&m mask with like a piggy nose on it like shit got insane and i loved it so much i was sitting there and i was like holy fuck i feel so vanilla right now i'm like (laughs) have i even had sex do i (laughs) people are doing things i don't even know exist i'm like i would you could have given me a hundred years to brainstorm shit to do and i would i would just never have thought of using the human body in the way that guy did on stage. And it just was so cool because I was, there was like the first wave of just kind of shock of when you've, just the first time you see something you've never seen before. And he did get, he got quite hectic towards the end there. But it was so fun because it was that shock and then you ride the wave of it. And then it's like the discomfort and then it's the unfamiliarity. And then it's just like the joy and surprise of watching something that is completely new. And I was like, no part of me was turned on <laughs> during that experience. <laughs> no. I can't be, I cannot be clear enough about how unsexual that was for me, but it was just so fun. I was like, fuck it. I love the fact that this dude exists in the world with his little piggy mask, doing his, <laughs> doing his little piggy sexy dance. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'm happy that that's somewhere. I'm happy that there's space for that. Absolutely. And it, it is that you, like you have no, because it makes no sense, right? Like the guy with the bananas <laughs> and the llama on Sunday, there's no, you can't, it is a completely pointless exercise yes. to try and find the sense and meaning in it, which forces you in that moment to just be like, okay, well, fuck it. Like just turn off and enjoy it yeah. because there's, there's no other option. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Just to, <laughs> just to briefly summarize what I as an audience member got from that show, just to paint a picture for everyone who wasn't there. It was a set, the premise of his performance was there were, there were two dudes on stage. The one was dressed as a llama. He, he didn't do anything for the entire performance. He just stood in the back. He just stood in the back like a good llama. <laughs> and then the guy, the main character, which it was, it was such a like um, dom and submissive dynamic as well, which I just loved. It's like bring a, a fully grown adult man dressed in a llama suit onto a stage and just make him fucking stand there <laughs> was so good. And then the main kind of performer was dressed up as what I can only describe as like a naughty banana. <laughs> And he just, he just did a bit of a naughty little banana dance. The end. The end. That was it. That was what happened. And it was like, yeah, I am here for this. I'll, um, I'll put links to both of their Instagrams <laughs> in the show notes so you can try and get a little bit of a, a sense of it for yourselves. But um, the, the main performer that act was called Rasputin, <laughs> emphasis on the ass, <laughs> and, uh, and Lucy Fur is his partner. And they apparently, uh, this is the first time I've seen them perform, but they perform together a lot and they sort of um, interchange who is like the main character and okay. who's the supporting character. Um, but it's, the dynamic is always like that so like there's always one that's the main character and one supporting yeah. rather than like a duo yeah um but they're like the sweetest loveliest people um 
and and bonkers. It was great. Yeah. yeah, it was really. And there's something so satisfying. I mean, I guess it's it it's an echo of like a comedic principle of the straight man. But like, I mean, which is in that context, definitely not the right wording to use. But like the 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 deadpan llama who's just not respond like to have that character on stage as a as like a foil to exaggerate the naughty banana yeah. was it's just such a satisfying fun dynamic and so absurd just yeah. joyful and absurd and playful and and that i i really love absurd mm. humor in general as well so that really <laughs> hits a note for me um, we were talking briefly before we started recording today about, I was telling you about how I got in a sponsored ad for, um, like fluffy wedges, like high heel <laughs> yes. wedges that were like, like pink fur. And I was like, I feel like I need them in my life. And then Alice was suggesting that I, um, that I wear them like only to do cleaning around the house, only while smoking a cigarette with my hair in curls, which yes. sounds fabulous. I want that for you. I want I want to know that that's just happening in a suburban Melbourne house somewhere. It's like you're doing the dishes with one hand, smoking with just the other hand, again, wearing yeah. furry heels and just kind of like as you clean them, ash, like the ashes just falling on everything you clean immediately <gasps> after. Just, it never ends. Just yeah. const- oh, my God. That's a great idea for a gift. Oh, my God. Just endless cycle. I'm. I've just had my uh, final art crit for this year. Was this week, and um, I think it's my brain is in that like art mode at the moment. So everything we're talking about, all my brain is doing is like performance piece, performance piece, performance. (laughs) (laughs) It's art. (laughs) It's all art. Um, To your to your absurd point, just just to paint a picture. Every now and then, I'll go in and I'll have these beautiful moments of like art school absurdity. And yesterday was like walking through one of the exhibition spaces and having this artwork was waiting to be photographed. And there was there were a few elements, but the the kind of key point being just a just a yellow balloon in the center of the room, kind of like floating across the floor. And on one side was a smiley face drawn in Sharpie, and on the other side it said, "You could be a winner." <laughs> that was like I just I loved it. Ah, I know. I'm like it either <laughs> like it can rile people up in the wrong direction, and on the wrong day, I, I, there's like the cynical part of me. But honestly, I just lo- like. I'm, I'm also simplifying what was like a very beautiful work. There were other elements and they kind of all engaged in a really like interesting and fun and cool way. But there was just that moment where I was like, only in this world, like it, you walk through the doors of art school and the rules do not exist anymore. Like I, I was just thinking, I was like a kilometer north of us is the city center. There are like big glass buildings full of people sending emails about, I don't fucking know what, like pension stocks <laughs> I don't, I, compound um, interest like I don't fucking know trying to think of a business <laughs> I can't even think of one I'm like growth mm, rampant uh, growth triangle <laughs> graphs yeah. kind of thing. but I'm like but in this world <laughs> this balloon is this is what's happening right now and like it's that that intersection of like play and absurdity and yeah it just makes me so happy um let I, I want to come back to this in a minute because I'm very, very interested as someone who has never been through this sort of thing and how it kind of all works. Um, just to round out the sort of um, conversation around like costume and, and character and stuff, um, I brought up the the fluffy wedges <laughs> and the, the cleaning outfit because um, 
And speaking of these sort of like alter ego kind of things, Dan um, would, I mean, I think like would take delight in, but also like give me a lot of shit for the fact that when I'm doing a thing, I like to put on a costume for it as in (laughs) (laughs) like if I'm cleaning the house, I want to have like a cleaning costume. So I will like, you know, tie my hair up in a little scarf (laughs) and like, you know, (laughs) because it gets me like in character (laughs) for cleaning. Or like, you know, if you're gardening, you put on like overalls or like there's something about, um, the way, like those simple ways that you can change what you're wearing that change your, like to me, that makes cleaning fun because now instead of just like mopping, I'm like, playing the character yeah. of well of a cleaner it's which like is super fun. dress for the job you want right. <laughs> a sexy banana <laughs> yeah, exactly. hired <laughs> i love it was that a thing that you were doing consciously or was it like a thing you were doing no. and then only when he noticed it and named it you're like oh yeah yeah huh. the second one do people not is everyone not doing that yeah, for, for, for real. I thought that I'm like, this is just a normal thing that people do. Yeah. But then I was like, ah, oh, okay. Mm, I love, not. I love those moments where you get a lens. Cause like, obviously I can only view the world through the experience of being an Alice and you only can do that through the experience of being a Jessamy. So sometimes the things that I think are just like de facto true things, I love, you get this kind of like it almost feels like vertigo, like sudden glimpses of like what that is like through someone else's filter. And I had that this week when like <laughs> Phoebe, my one housemate, basically she she pointed at the corner of the kitchen where there's there's a wine rack, but I've converted it into a seed sprouting station where there's like about a four tier <laughs> seed sprouter. And then beneath that is like a different like microgreen tray where that's all growing and then under that is a box Alice, of I'm about I'm very proud of you <laughs> thank you me too I mean with varying uh levels of success and then below that is like a cardboard box that's full of about 50 to 60 fragments of fake artificial skin that I was trying to make out of silicone and corn flour are you a serial killer <laughs> just literally <laughs> but like I was like yeah 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 like obviously that's that's where I keep my skin experiments beneath beneath my indoor farm and Phoebe just kind of pointed it out and she was she was so funny the way she said it she's like yeah there's just like she's like that's a very Alice mood in that corner <laughs> And it was only her saying it that kind of like took me out of my eyes and I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is a hundred percent. Like if I go and kill a bunch of people, this is what they will in the interviews afterwards be like, were there any red flags? (laughs) I was like, is that not what's in everyone's kitchen? Where do you make your fake skin? (laughs) Have we? spoken on the podcast about the fake skin no but but we still we'll come back to it I another mean, time yeah it's a very sensitive point at the moment okay All it's right. quite a lot she's, harder she's to make not synthetic. a serial killer just to be clear it is art related not um but not just not my personal <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot harder to make synthetic human skin than one would think is just where I want to leave that for now okay <laughs> On that note. <laughs> yeah, segue. Good luck. Good luck with this segue. <laughs> Let's well, hear it. Well, two, two things. One, um, 
just when you were talking about that, like seeing stuff for, from a different perspective and that sort of like almost vertigo feeling of like, oh, whoa. Do you remember as a kid the first few times you went and had dinner at one of your friend's houses? Or like you spent the night at one of your friend's houses and they just did things differently. Like, oh. like they didn't have tomato sauce yes. on the table with chicken nuggets. And you're like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like, yeah. How am I meant to eat this? Yeah, I, or like, you know, they, like I remember the first times I spent the night at a friend's house and they were allowed to watch TV in the mornings and they were watching cartoons while they were eating their uh, breakfast. I'm like, this is fucking wild. What? Like, this has been an option the whole time. <laughs> I didn't even know. But there's little things like it's the way people eat. use cutlery or it's how funny. they sit at the table if they, you know, sit in front of the TV and eat or like they have a really formal thing around the dinner table yeah. like, and you just don't because you think as a kid like and, and some people all the way into adulthood that your way of doing it is just how everyone else does it. Totally. Stuff like serviettes. I feel like people's relationship to napkins is so household specific. Like do you reuse them? Do you keep like people keep their napkins on their place? Like like at each family member's kind of seat for a few days or are they totally disposable or are they fabric ones? Like it's such a small niche weird and it's so dumb and boring that no one talks about it, which is why you're like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) This is crazy. Yeah. What you guys. It's such an interesting kind of thing. And the assumptions that you hold that everyone is, we also had a lot of really weird family traditions that I thought were actual traditions (laughs) just like Christmas like and when I say really weird like not like don't get too excited they weren't crazy but things like so for Easter my mum grew up in a dairy farm and they like the way that the Easter bunny would visit their house they all put their hats out and they put straw in their hats so like for the Easter bunny to lay eggs (laughs) I don't know what for whatever reason that's what they did they put their hats out and put straw in it so that's what we always did. But instead of straw, dad, dad would bring back big bags of shredded paper from his office. Oh, my God. I love that. And so we that. would use that as the straw. And I thought that's how Easter works. Like yeah. that's what everyone does for Easter. You get your hat. That's You put your shredded paper in it and that's where the eggs come. And like talking to other people about they're like, hats, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. No, we get them at the bottom of our bed or whatever it is. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And the other, because of the the shredded paper and I'll um I've got a great photo of this somewhere I'll post it to our um Instagram if I can find it but one year maybe it was even the first year that we had the shredded paper I don't know it was it's been a tradition for as long as I could remember we ended up having a fight with the shredded paper where we were like stuffing it in each other's clothes And then that became part of the tradition as well, which I also didn't realise wasn't like a classic Easter tradition <laughs> to have a shredded paper fight and stuff it in each other's that's clothes. That's so fun. Because we've just been doing it as long as yeah. I could remember. So I'm like, well, that's just what you do for Easter. Oh, but that's... of course it's not a normal thing to do. <laughs> but it's also so funny to like with those things when you do have that moment of like realising that, that part of it is made up because the whole thing is made up. It's like, it's like, wait, are we going to draw the line at the hat full of straw? Because we were all perfectly happy to accept that a fucking bunny was going to come and lay chocolate in. Like, we were all fine with that. <laughs> we just accepted that is true. But the hat thing's weird. Yeah. Like, it's hats, you're crazy. <laughs> but those traditions are so, like, like the importance of those 
moments is I, you can't overstate them. And it's to, to a degree you can try and instate them. I know friends of mine who have kids are often quite intentional around the traditions they're wanting to, to build for those kids. But it is, it's pretty magical when that is also evolved and kind of augmented naturally and, and grows into a, like a living tradition, I suppose, rather than, than like a script or a thing that you're doing from like a checklist. I think that they're the ones that stick to and yeah. you can't, you can't really manufacture them, not in yeah. the same way. It's like trying to give yourself a nickname. Like it's just awkward, <laughs> yeah. you know? The, um, that's, that's a great example. Like, hey, hey, my friends call me Ali. And I was like, wait, who? <laughs> there was a, oh, God, so cringy. She was actually lovely, but she's just a little bit, I don't know, awkward or something. The girl, I, the one year above me at school who was a school captain when I was in year 11, um, and you got like rugby top, like year 12 rugby tops that had, you know, all the, your class name and then you could have yeah. like your name or a nickname on the back of it. And she got Skipper. <laughs> As a, her name was Alex. <laughs> oh my God. Um, like Alex. as in like the, cap, you know, like the captain cause she was school captain. Oh, yeah. But it like, obviously no, no one called her that and it was just, oh. it was just real fucking awkward. She she was lovely, but um, I'm just like, oh no, mate. Like, unless that's a thing, yeah. No, just just put Alex on it. Al, maybe if you like. <laughs> we'll allow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll approve. Oh. Um, but yeah. I said, oh my god, there's there's about four thousand things that my brain is uh, like veering into avenues of just conversations I want to have. But just to kind of something that I wanted to say is, I really admire and respect the way that you play within your identity like the creativity and like openness you have to parts of you and like the way that you don't view your jessamineness as like a fixed question that you've answered already and I think I think it's really beautiful and I see a lot of people our age, that like mid thirties age where people are like, oh, I guess I'm a grown up now and this is who I am. And it's, it's like that, that they answer that with like a stable question. I'm like, I'm this and I do this, this, and I like this and I don't like this full stop, end of paragraph, end of chapter. And I just love, I love the way that you are not, you don't allow yourself to box yourself in because you are the only person that would be doing it right like no one else requires that consistency of you everyone's too caught up in their own shit to to, to be no auditing one. each other's <laughs> personalities but um yeah I just I kind of wanted to recognize yeah. that I think it's really amazing and it's such a gift to be around because it gives the people you're around permission to to experiment within their own selves that is such a beautiful compliment and you've got a little got a little tear because that's so lovely um I, I yeah thank you and I, I love to um I no I've got a loss yeah. for words I, I love yeah. to, to think that 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 is true you know it's it's much harder to see things from the inside out sometimes yeah. but I love that you see that yeah in me and yeah. I, I'll take the take the compliment and yeah. thank you I think I was sort of lucky in the sense that, and we've spoken about this before, but in terms of identity and stuff, like finding sort of fitness and, and gym stuff in my 30s and then 
you know, being someone who was just like arty, wine drinking, ciggy smoking, like fuck exercise, yeah. people are wasting their time. <laughs> um, for that to now be such a big part of my identity, I'm like, well, I don't know shit. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I spent all of this time thinking, oh, it's it's binary. Like you, you are this or yeah. you aren't. A very fixed mindset on a lot of things. Um, and I think that while that's only one, you know, one part of my life, like reapplying that to everything, it's like, well, I could, who knows what else I'm yeah. wrong about. Yeah. Then. If this was possible, fucking anything's possible, yeah. you know. I totally. And I think, I think that's why I get so uncomfortable with this like cult of authenticity where I, like, I understand where it's coming from. Like I understand that there is so much constructed narrative in the media of what it is to be a person that I understand that when people are kind of calling out for authenticity, what they mean is humanness, I think, or humanity, not a one dimensional Instagram influencer. So I I do understand the impulse and I respect that. And I agree with that. But I think the danger of that word is like people often use it in a way where it's like that you, or almost like people say authenticity when they mean like consistency in your personality. So it's like, someone would be like, oh, you didn't do this thing before and now you are doing the Mm. thing and it is different to what came before and therefore inauthentic. And that to me is like an insane and really dangerous proposition because it's like, yeah, well, if that were true, I would still be shitting my pants and only eating (laughs) baby food. Like at some point you do it. Sounds like a dream. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, one day it'll happen again. (laughs) But like, yeah, I, I don't know that yeah. thing of like, it's not you. And I, I know we've spoken about this before, but it's it's something that for me bears repeating because it's a thing I feel like I'm constantly needing to hold in my mind. And it's something that's very like, if I think about the last year of my life, like how much has changed and how much th- th- I think I'd like gone through obviously a big breakup. And that's always a time of reconsidering your entire identity and self and your decisions and your values. But like, being in in one of those kind of like fuck it phases where you just don't have the energy to give much of a shit about anything and kind of like dating and doing engaging with people in what felt like more low stakes relationships you're like oh I might I may never see this person again so there is no um obligation or accountability to be any self other than the one that is right here and right now and like that has been I don't know if, am I explaining that? Does that make sense? Like, I feel like it's something that I'm trying so hard to carry into the next phase of my life is like, don't wait for the big life change that throws you out of your head to allow you to, to do that. Because I quite honestly, it's the best fucking feeling. Like there are so many things that are part of my life now that a year ago I would have rolled my eyes at. And I'm like, Mm. there is no prize. Like there is no prize for like being too cool to have fun or be silly or like, or cons- yeah 100 percent. yeah 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 um I think there's a few things in that um it's something we see I think a lot with like celebrities or even politicians that people get like back to the the consistency versus authenticity thing that people almost get like angry or insulted when people change their mind but if mm. we didn't change our minds 
with new information would be fucked. Like yeah. we never learn anything yeah. and people learn and grow. So someone might say something and then they'll pull up this fucking tweet from seven years ago and be like, aha, but you didn't say this then. Like, well, yeah, because I've, I've learned stuff yeah. between then and now and I've changed my mind. Like you have exactly. the right to change your mind and you should yeah. as many times as you want because that's how we learn and grow and yeah. get better and um, I think that that's insane and we do we have all of these little you know I've just found glitter tits in here I don't know how many other little personalities there <laughs> yeah. are in here but I think part of it is like um, not being afraid to when you feel that little spark whether it's dancing or bouldering or <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know, wearing a certain thing or listening to a certain type of music or whatever it is to just like follow it. And it doesn't have to go anywhere or become anything, but it also doesn't mean um, it's not an or, it's an and. Yeah. Like you can have always been into death metal and suddenly you're like, oh, fuck, I really like this Katy Perry song. That doesn't mean that you are no longer a death metal fan, yeah. right? Like you're allowed to have both. Yeah. And I think that the younger generations are much better at this I think I'm hoping than we were like I think it's less clicky and more kind of open between groups I could be wrong I don't know I'm not a young person <laughs> I don't know that many youths, of them youths <laughs> right in <laughs> but it seems that you know those like, even watching like teen oriented movies yeah. these days you know, whereas like for us growing up in the 80s and 90s, you had like the jocks, the nerds, yes, the cool totally. kids, the blah, blah, blah. It's much more like yeah. melded together now in terms of how those yeah. character stories play out. And I know that, you know, movies are not real life, but they are a reflection of yeah, the society yeah. that we're living in. Yeah, they, they like reflect that society and then influence that society. And it kind of, uh, it's always looping around and around. But it, yeah, it, it totally understand that and back to your point about discovering exercise kind of I don't want to say later in life (laughs) but in your in your 30s yeah yeah. it it is it's part of getting out of that like stereotype of the artist as like like damaged drinking red wine doing drugs till five in the morning and like exercises for the jocks and you never those two paths shall meet and you're like no I'm a fucking human in a body Exactly. So I'm going to work out that in my own time. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. And it can obviously goes the other way and in all sorts of different directions mm. as well. Like, mm. you know, you might have grown up playing professional rugby and then been like, you know what, I really want to be a fucking poet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then there's no reason why yeah. you can't do that other than, you, you know, the own your own sort of fixed mindset yeah. that you put around it. Um, yeah. Have we spoken about the, the sexy archetypes? Have I, I've wanted, I've wanted to tell you this. Okay. It's so cool. So I've been seeing a sexologist, as I've mentioned to you off air. She's amazing. Her name is Vanessa. She's really cool and smart and awesome to talk to. And something we were speaking about the other day was like, she was speaking about, and again, this is one model for thinking about sexuality, but it was like different sexual archetypes that people can embody. So Again, this is not my area of expertise and this is all kind of quite new to me, so I'm I'm not going to do it justice. But just basically around the idea of like there's the maiden and the maiden is like innocent and doesn't know much and like the maiden's like a lot of that like, oh my God, like teach me energy, right? Mm-hmm. And then like there's like the kind of, um, as they go later, there's like 
I think there's like a seductress. There's um, there's like the slut who's like fucking inner body, loving sex, loving bodies. There's the mother who's like a more nurturing kind of sexual energy. Like, and they kind of map these out. There's a, there's a whole bunch. I think there's like twelve or fourteen, and it kind of maps across your life. And then like in later years, it's like the crone, and like she's got this like like very dominating wisdom kind of sexual like energy, and you you sort of are traveling through these various archetypes as you go. But like a really important part of it is like, it's not linear and they all exist. You have the ability to access any of these at any time, wherever you are. So it's not as if, it's not as if like from the ages of 15 to 25, you were the maiden and then you kind of graduated to the, to like the woman and then you, whatever. It's like at any moment you can step into those, I don't want to call them personas. They're not, they're not supposed to be constructed. You're not performing a role, but it's like there are parts of you that are just different and want different things in different moments. And it's like sometimes it's sometimes you feel insecure and you don't know what's going on and you want someone to show you and you want to be in a more kind of a submissive space. And obviously she's speaking about this in relation to sexuality, but it could be fucking anything. It could be your a, a day at work, could be in your relationship, could be in your friendships, could be anything but yeah like and sometimes you're feeling stronger and just have a bit more of like a dominant energy sometimes you're like you can play in those spaces and I think her her like big thing when we were speaking about it is I was kind of saying like I feel stuck between a few of them or like stuck in one wanting to move into another space or like trying on these different things for size and her thing was like you don't need to think of it in such a fixed way Mm. she's like at any moment on any day you have access to all of them and like you can play in one, move out, play in another one, move out. Like the whole thing is dynamic and alive. And when you were speaking about RuPaul and like finding your di- finding the glitter tits that was inside <laughs> you all along, <laughs> like that ability to like play in that, like it's, it's really cool because that is what it feels like with the burlesque thing. It's like you're allowing yourself to step into glitter tits for a while. Then on Monday morning, you can step into Jessamy fucking president of this running creative mornings like successful businesswoman then you can step into friend mode you can step into wife and partner mode like these are not you don't have to pick one yeah yeah that's really really interesting um yeah I'd like to delve more into that yeah I'll find there was a she she gave me a reference to a book I obviously I'm like forgetting every single useful possible googleable term at the moment (laughs) um but I'll find that there was just like a little diagram and it does like I say they kind of map it onto the phases of your life but I think that's just more like a way to map it across time but the idea is like that's not prescriptive and so the way that she uses them within her work with people is is, is it just that it's useful to see there are all these different things and that you don't have to be one? I guess so, so when you first started talking about it, I was like, oh, so is this a conscious choice that you make to be, you know, at any point in time one or the other or is it just to sort of put it out there to recognise maybe when you're, you know, like what's yeah. the what's the 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 use, the, so, the impact is? I, okay, so I think that, Tell me if I'm answering that, but I I think I know, I think I, so basically I don't think that it's part of her set framework for people. Like, I don't think that everyone who comes to her gets that piece of information. 
I think that the way my brain works, like the things that I'd been saying to her was, <laughs> I think I was talking about like, it was, it was randomly, I was like, I said the phrase, I was like, oh, like I would love to do this more or be more like this or whatever, but I'm not one of those sexy sex girls who like knows about sexy sex things. And she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like just unpack that. And I, and I think like I was falling into this okay. trap of like, I was almost like self bottling. Like I, I was drawing fences around different quality. Like I was almost like doing that work of stereotyping people. And I guess the difference between a stereotype and an archetype is like, that a stereotype is like a simplification, but it's way more rigid and, and simplified versus she was almost seeing that tendency and being like, here's a more useful way. If, the, if your brain is naturally inclined to kind of tell stories in that way, here's a more useful set of characters and here's a more useful relation to them. Got it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. That's perfect. Thank yeah. you. That explained it really well. So it was more just to try and get you out of a fixed yes. mindset around, yes. I am this type of yes. girl and exactly. I'm not this type of yes. girl. It was me being like, do I have to be maiden or slut? Yeah. And it was her gotcha. being like, you're already both of those and a bunch of other things and you can choose. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. It was, yeah, it was fucking cool. And it, and anything with a diagram, love a diagram. Like you, the second, the second someone's like, here's this thing about the world. Also, here's a picture. I'm like, yes, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Oh, totally. Sucker for a good, like matrix diagram thing. Yeah. Um, that's super interesting. We went on this like big, huge tangent. We started talking about your unique crit thing. Can we come back to that? Wait, but I was still want to go back to the burlesque show. Like we haven't even unpacked after the show. Okay. All right. What do you want to know? All the things, <laughs> all the things. Okay. So I feel like we got us, we, we were on, we were on the point of like, you were speaking about, okay, we got to the actual performance. We got to you, the nerves pushing up until, and then. And then it was fun and you're going to do it again. After What I want to know is afterwards, did you have that like dopamine drop? Because I know in the art world, it's like a famous thing, like the post-exhibition blues or same as the baby blues. It's like you've had all this dopamine getting you to this big moment. And then afterwards, however high your dopamine was, it falls in the equal and opposite direction. Like, was there that or was Monday fine? No, I think Monday was fine. I was very tired because I think mainly like the emotional energy put into it. So the show went until what, about 10 o'clock or something? Yeah. Um, And then I hung around, I think the venue closed at like 10, 30, 11. Had a couple of, when I was like, because I was obviously like buzzing when I got on stage and came to see you guys. My friend Kitty came and she's like, do you want some water? I'm like, wine, please, wine. (laughs) (laughs) Any type of wine, just please put wine in my hand. Um, So I had a few drinks, like not crazy, and then got home and I still was just sort of like up, you know. Um, So I didn't get to sleep till about one, Um, but I had a good sleep. I was still in bed at like 9.30 the next day, which is That is unheard of for you. Like I was up at. 4.15 4.15 this morning. Like yeah. that's my general kind of vibe. <laughs> so to be in bed at 9.30 is like, oh, um, but no, I like, I felt really tired, but like nice. But okay. Like, okay. Like full. Yes. I'm glad. Full and sleepy. And I, I had preempted that as well. So I hadn't planned, I, you know, 
I didn't book to go to the gym in the morning. I um, hadn't planned anything big work-wise. Like I had one meeting and, you know, some like colouring in agenda to do. So <laughs> I love so much that an actual part of my job is colouring yeah. in. <laughs> and so when I have those days that I know I'm going to be super tired or like just a bit brain dead, I'm like, yeah. ah, that is a colouring in day. I totally this is this is a side tangent, but remember when there was that phase of adult coloring in books? That was like a like a hot craze, and I must have been gifted like seven of these things within the space of a year, and I could completely understand how people got there. Like I understand how they took their idea of Alice and extrapolated that in their head and thought that that would be a good gift, but it was like the exact opposite. Like, this I was, is my fucking job, I was guys. literally <laughs> like, this is unpaid overtime. I was like, what? <laughs> if you thought this would be relaxing, it would be like giving my accountant sister my tax and be like, you're welcome. <laughs> I remember someone saying to me around that time, because the way now that now I work entirely digitally, but at the time when I was doing graphic recording work, I would do it on a whiteboard, sometimes paper, usually on a whiteboard, and then photograph it, digitise it and recolour it totally mm. digitally afterwards. Um, and this was around the time, yeah, that the colouring in craze was happening and someone was like, you know, you should get people to... And I used to sometimes outsource that part of it, the colouring part. Mm. They're like, you should put that together and get people to do it and sell it as a mind, <laughs> as a mindfulness exercise and they're just doing your job for you. <laughs> oh my God. Have you, have you seen a, a series called Nathan for you? No. It's Nathan Fielder. He's got a series out, I think on Netflix at the moment called The Rehearsal, which is truly just like one of the best things I've seen in ages. Oh, amazing. It's um, okay. oh, like, I can't even go into that. It's so it's so weird, but it's, the whole premise of the rehearsal is basically him taking people who've got like stressful conversations or life stuff that they need to do and then like rehearsing it with them beforehand, but like taken to <clears throat> taken to this level of like absurd extremity to the point of like, if you have to have a tough conversation with someone in a pub, he rebuilds a set of that pub and pays actors to be people like like it's absurd and amazing and it just becomes like this crazy surreal artwork and it's kind of this like meta commentary on like on like how much can you protect yourself from the variables of life oh that's so it, interesting it's and so and do they weird and funny oh, i'm really looking forward to watching yeah. this now and do they do follow up like, do they go and do the thing or is it just about it, creating the rehearsal? It's kind of, it's only four episodes and it's kind of a bit of both. It's it's almost okay. like he sets out to do that, but then in the process of producing the series, other variables come into play and it, it kind of derails in an oh, interesting okay. way. But um, he had a series, I think there's like three or four series of them from about 10 years ago called Nathan For You. And it was a, it was like a piss take on those like business reality shows where it's like essentially he comes in and helps struggling businesses with like get, getting back on their feet. But it's just like his solutions are always insane. And the one was was a, move, a removalist company in L.A. and their biggest um, pain point is paying staff. Obviously, it's really expensive to pay for labor of like people obviously moving all the boxes. So he identifies, though, that there's this entire population of people who pay gym memberships to, like, lift heavy things. <laughs> it's, like, him bringing that together where it's essentially, like, marketing has to develop. It's also, like, completely absurd and insane, but has to develop a new exercise craze around the idea of lifting heavy boxes into a truck, going with that truck to a different place and taking those boxes out. 
I mean, like I legit pay money to someone to do like <laughs> not that different to that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'd yeah. be into it. Yeah, it's weird and I can cool see a and amazing. For it. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's very satisfying to watch like <laughs> non solutions. I love it. I love it. Well, speaking of art, so I feel like burlesque is wrapped up now. Um, unless you had any further questions at all, I'm sure it'll, there will be other bits that come back, but yeah, yeah thank you. And just to say, I'm fun. very fucking proud of you. It was so cool. I was like thank screaming you, my head off and I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I think it's amazing and joyful and it was so fun to be a part of. Thank you, darling. I should also say as well, like massive shout out to all of my friends from all different, you know, walks of life, people who are super into this stuff, people going for the first time, like so fucking lucky to have such amazing supportive open friends who like without a question are just there and not only are they there they're screaming their heads off and they're and they're loving it and I just feel incredibly incredibly lucky to have so many people in my life who want to come and celebrate the dumb fucking ideas that I have it was the best there was yeah it was was a big crowd we kind of like all found each other because we're all from different walks of life but we kind of know each other's faces from various like birthday events or whatever and it was yeah it was a very there was a lot of love there yeah it was was felt it was awesome yeah well watch this space hopefully there'll be there'll be more there'll be more burlesque stories in the future as we get to know glitter tits show us your tits a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) i bet you're wishing this was a video podcast now this whole podcast is just (laughs) i've been naked this whole time i I can hear (laughs) (laughs) you'll have to speak up i'm wearing nipple tassels (laughs) um okay so you have also had an enormous week. Yeah, it was big. Yeah. Tell us a little bit of it. So we, we started touching on it before with the fucking yellow balloon thing <laughs> upon arrival. But you had your big, your second last. Yeah. Like, so, so basically there'll be the big art exhibition at the end of this year. So this was the, other than that, like the final time to show what we've all been working on for the last three years. Um, and for, for crits, you literally set it up as an exhibition. So you need to like, people need to walk in that space and encounter your work the way that they would if it was in a gallery. And it's just been fucking emotional. Like it's been, I I think like going into this course, it's now been three years. We, we got a, it's a master's, so it should have been two years, but because of COVID, we kind of got a year grace, which was incredible and very generous of them, but also, also there's a reason a master's is two years. I think that that degree of intensity is contained in that time for a very specific reason. And it's, this has been too long. (laughs) Like I've, I've run out of what I kind of needed for it. Um, but yeah, but also not wanting, I mean, I say that, like, I also, I love it so much, but, um, I think like, because we started and then immediately went into lockdowns, it's just, it, it's taken place over like the most emotionally charged three years of my life. Like two years of COVID, a divorce, a moving house, starting life again. Like there's just a lot packed into that time. And that work has all of that kind of in it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily explicitly, like you, you wouldn't necessarily see that, but it's, it's a really weird feeling 
for me to put those works up on a wall now because it's like there's so it's like got so much in it and I'm like god can't I just take a fucking photo of it and like hand that in to someone like do I do is it necessary to put this on walls and then have people come see the thing yeah and my supervisor made this really great point where he spoke about he's like think about musicians how they'll write a song during a breakup and then have to play that song like 20 years later. And he's like making a creative, like you make a thing and it is no longer yours. It's just a thing in the world now. And like, yes, you have a link to it, but you don't own it. And you kind of need to be okay with it, it existing separately. And like, you're not always going to feel as connected to something that you've done. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't mean you have to burn it all down which was what I wanted to do. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, and it was great advice and kind of like I was, I was pushing to change the whole project at the last minute and he was just like, just don't put up what you've got. You've got a lot of work, reflect on that in the, in the thing and, and that'll be enough, like let it be what it is. And um, yeah, it was great advice. It was ready. It was just a lot. It was a lot setting it up this week, but seeing it all come together in one place was just, yeah, it was really satisfying and it's really people are so generous. Like there's something that's so amazing about having the rest of our master's cohort kind of come through and they, you're not allowed speaking during the crit. So like I'm there listening to 20 smart people talk about and engage with this thing that I've, I've obviously spent so long thinking about, but it's completely new to them, which is, it's a surreal, it's like an out of body experience. You're like, am I dead like, I, oh, yeah, do you know like what watching I mean a funeral yeah kind of yeah and um just like pardon my ignorance crit stands for critique oh, yeah I imagine yeah. yeah and so the way that it works is you've got your cohort and you've all set your stuff up in the room and you move around to each piece one at a time and all the other people critique it while you can't talk yeah it it's ish it's it's over a few weeks though so it's not everyone oh, on the okay. same day so there'll Got be you. I you get a full exhibition space to yourself kind of oh I see day. okay yeah got you because Got you. most people by this stage have quite a lot to show so oh, they'll be like yeah yeah it's over yeah it's not yeah. just a corner of a gallery <laughs> I mean for some people it is some people yeah. those years of work is literally like a balloon on the floor yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm not I, that work was awesome I don't mean to throw shade on anyone's practice um you were saying to me as well before we started recording today that it was really I mean a just satisfying to see it all there and be like mm. oh like I have been producing stuff <laughs> over the last three years but something which I thought was really awesome is that you were able to recognize yeah a, an Aliceness throughout yeah. all of it that you you couldn't necessarily see in all of its individual parts. Yeah. But when you saw it all together there, you could see your voice and your identity through all of it, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really, again, like just so lucky to have had the space to do that. Cause it's kind of something that only makes sense with a bit of distance. So like, as you're making each piece, that's just like one way of articulating a sensibility or a series of questions or like a way of thinking about the world which alone is like one facet of a thing, but it's like, it's, it's like, imagine, imagine like an object in the center of the room and it's like, you get to walk around it and see it from different perspectives. And it's like each work is just like one facet or it's like one angle or one way into the thing. And the thing is just like, all of us have our own 
consciousness and way of being in the world. Right. And it's like, I guess like getting a way of like creeping up on yourself to when you zoom out, you like see those pieces and you're like, oh, it feels like piecing together what that means, like what the texture of that is. Mm. And how, like, how does that feel? Because there's part of me that imagines myself in that position and the like excitement and panic (laughs) that would come from a whole lot of people you know, critiquing your work, like your, you know, years of blood, sweat and tears, particularly years that were so emotionally charged. Um, and then also like the, the comparison when, you know, wherever you sit in that, um, timeline of crits, whether you're, you know, the first or in the middle and you've, or you've like, Oh fuck, but Lucy had this thing that's kind of like mine, but better or shit. I wish I'd thought of the thing that Tim thought of or how does that, and just, you know, so that um, your sister doesn't get pissed off and to bring it back to my father. (laughs) Grace, this Um, is for you. Um, but, but, But genuinely though, like how does that play out in that environment? Is that something you feel or is it, is the Alice-ness that you see when you've got it all together, does that sort of start to combat that a little bit? Do you know what's so, what I've noticed about this that is like striking is that basically there are, there are times in my life where I've been making things and those things are of better or worse quality. Like most of the time they're shit, but like you have to make bad stuff to make good stuff. So there's like periods in my life where I've been making and then there's periods where for whatever reason there's like work, admin just life in general making less stuff and I've noticed that the comparison there is comparison is never an issue when I'm making things in the world and I see other people who are making things those are never the time even even though most most of the time their things will be like incredible and and way better and you'd think that in that moment that would be where the comparison hits but it never is because it's so specific to each person right so there's just it's like not mine to make and there and mine isn't theirs to make so it's like a completely irrelevant comparison but the phases where I haven't been making something and you see someone else who is or you see that work who is like that's where that moment kicks in and I think it's like it's just been like a lesson again and again and again it's like you're like the the answer or the remedy or the medicine is in, in like, in the making, what's in the process. Does that? Yeah, it does. And I think you said it a while ago and I think, you know, you have so many beautiful Alicisms, but you said um, that you find the way out of comparison is through your hand. Yeah. As in, you know. It's so true. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I was going to, yeah, it really is. Like I, I'm such a, I'm a completely like atheist, like non, I'm very like practical and not kind of, I don't really believe in anything that sort of like spirituals, so to speak, but I do have like a very strong belief in like the hand as some kind of like savior thing for humans. Like I think that we all do better when, when our hand, when we use our hands for a thing, I think like. It, it literally, it can be fucking anything, but I just think on some deep level of our brains, when we watch our hands like affect a change in the world, it can be the most micro thing. It can be Lego. 
like your hand just doing a thing and then the world is different as a result of like the interface of, of your hand and, and the rest of reality. Like I think that that we need that a lot and don't even get me started on the fact that everything's digital. Because <laughs> like, but that, you need but, to make shit. But you're still also using your hands yeah. for that even yeah. too, right? Um, but I do know what you mean. There's something about that. Um, Touch. Yeah, it's the important. the tactile mm. nature of things. Um, that's really special. And I think it like it just comes down to you're making a mark, you know, you're making some sort of impact. And when I say impact, I don't necessarily mean like you're changing the world or solving hunger or, you know, creating the next, um, you know, amazing historical art piece, but you are like, you know, just etching your initials into your school desk is making an impact. (laughs) But exactly. You're making a mark on the world. And I think that, um, that's how we know we're, we're part of something yeah yeah it's like on some level it's like proof that you exist like you can look down and you're like oh like I am here this is I'm not Bruce Willis in the sixth sense like I'm here there like I can see something that is the second time the sixth sense has come up today for me I'm just gonna let you know <laughs> really Ooh, spooky also Michael Jackson's remember the time <laughs> All right. All right. I heard that song four times in two days, and I was like, maybe this is what I'm doing my next show to. I don't know. I don't know. Destiny. That's what people are saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, on that note, I reckon let's wrap it up. Make a mark. Yeah, I've I've just I'm so happy. It's so nice just getting a little moment to chat. Yeah, love you, Alicini. Love you, Jess. Thank you you for this. Bye -bye. Bye bye. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Club. Please follow us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're feeling extra kind, rates and review. Or if you got any insights or value from this, share with a friend. You can also find us on Instagram at ImpostorPod or online at ImpostorSyndromeClub.com.